Here we go. Yes. I am Alan Winston. And I am Rebecca McCain. And today, Barcourt Radio is recording on the street at West End Avenue and 92nd Street. In fact, I'm wearing a mask, so it sounds a little muffled. But we're trying to be uh, socially distanced Honey, you here. always sound that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> we will be celebrating the resiliency of our Upper West Side neighbors as we face down a most deadly pandemic. We'll be speaking with Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer, who should be arriving soon, and former City Council Member, now head of the Freelancers Union, Rafael Espinal. City Council Member Helen Rosenthal was scheduled to be with us, but she couldn't make it uh, for some reason. Also with us are our Upper West Side neighbors who were invited to ask their questions on the BCR Kvetch mic. We're calling it the open... <laughs> the open you, may, you should interpret what that means in English. No, I don't. Not for Upper West Siders. <laughs> If you don't know a Kvetch mic, you have to move out. Do you have a well, maybe some of our listeners don't know. Do you have a Kvel mic, too? A Kvel mic, a Kvetch mic, <laughs> a Gesundheit mic. Oh, I'm schwitzing here. Schwitzing. Just a minute, darling. But, I'm, I got too much that's clothes the shit, shit's on. That's a shit's a goddess way. I'm, I'm spitzing. I said schwitzing. What's wrong? Schwitzing. Oh, that's good. That was good. That was good. It is the custom of Bar Crawl Radio to have conversations at our neighborhood bars. But we are in the middle of the worst pandemic in modern era, and we are recording outside on the street, practicing social distancing and talking with each other, and each of these city leaders one at a time. Right. So we're going to talk to them one at a time so they don't have to gang up on each other. Right. So with that caveat, it is the BCR custom to start the party with, here we go. That yes. introduction did not mention that this is also the 100th episode of BCR. <laughs> so we're celebrating that too. That's what this program is also about. Yeah. So we'll start with a bit of gab with our two BCR producers, Alina Larson, who is a writer and editor of feature stories focusing on pets and parenting. She has worked in web and video production. And she is a mother and an Upper West Sider. Chris Brandt is also with us. <laughs> he produces the BCR segment, Poetry, What the Heck Is It Good For? And we're discovering that it's good for a lot of stuff. Chris is an actor, college professor, translator of plays, poet, carpenter, civil disobedience protester, and all-around lover of life. Indeed. Life is good, Thank even you, in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. It can be. La vie est belle. So, this is BCR's 100th episode. We have talked with over 130 people, including artists, actors, musicians, politicians, writers, social advocates, rooftop farmers, political pundits, podcasters, and historians. We have visited over 23 bars in seven countries, and BCR has listeners from all over the world. So we thought maybe we would uh, take some time and talk to our two producers. Yes. Valina, you've been with us a lot longer. And we were trying to figure out how, I mean, I was trying to remember how you got started with Bar Crawl Radio. Um, you know, uh, someone who knew you um, contacted me to see if I would be on um, to talk about my experience as a person who became more politically active due to Trump. Right. And um, I was like, oh, that sounds great. But I had met so many people who had been more immersed in it that I thought I would just love to get them on the microphone 
Um, and, you know, as somebody who's already a journalist um, and who had dabbled in podcasting, it just sounded excited to, exciting to me to continue um, just getting guests because that's kind of my favorite part is figuring out who to interview. So It's, it's really good that that's your favorite part because you're really good at it. <laughs> I mean, you've brought so, us so many interesting people to talk to. It's been so um, much fun. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, if, we, if, if, if we went back through and looked at all the people, uh, the gun rights people and the... Uh, that's uh, right, we went shooting together. That's and right. We went, we went to a, <laughs> that was one of my we, favorite ones, actually yeah. going and learning how to fire a exactly. rifle was kind of cool. I never fired a rifle before. And I got yeah. a, a tennis elbow from that experience. Did you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, she actually wanted to hit something and so no, she was aiming. I, because I kept, I kept, I don't know, I didn't take, it hit, what is it called? The reverb? The, re the recoil. Recoil. Yeah, that's what the doctor told me. So, that's funny. So was that your favorite program or? Uh, well, I mean, that was definitely fun, although it was funny that we could not get anybody from the, the firing range no. to be on. No, no. no. Right? We, we tried to get them to be, but yeah. they wouldn't come to the bar. We said we'd buy them drinks. No. Nope. Yeah. Uh, booze oh. and guns don't go together. <laughs> well, if you're from Texas, I think they might. Well, well, yes. Let's yeah. leave that in Texas. <laughs> I think that they felt that they would be... Um, you know, sitting on the wrong side of the table against, right. you know, they thought they'd opposition. be attacked. I think yeah. they, they yeah. picked us out as liberals. I think they knew who we were. Yeah, what? Why right. would they think yeah. that? I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. They kind of picked us out that way. Who would have thunk it? And Chris, you uh, have been on Barcore Radio before we decided to do Poetry What Is Good For. Yeah. And we discovered you had all this poetry connection. I mean, with, with, I mean of the poetry, of those podcast we haven't done that many we're gonna do more we've done five we've done five of them i really like the one with uh with uh Mart martin yeah that's uh, yeah I, I, father. I, it, it's really hard for me to choose which one i like the best uh i really loved the the one with martha and sarah which is the very first one we did uh and of course martin and and lauren are good friends and they're always fun. And the Peace Poets are fabulous. You're right, the Peace Poets were great. Yeah. That was a great performance because they came in with all kinds of great material and... Yeah, and, well, um, they always do. Yeah. And they are they are a remarkable phenomenon. They, they, they set out to use poetry as a way to promote peace and they travel all over the world to war zones and hotspots and do poetry workshops. Yep. And they're enormously talented, and they do really wonderful work. You use them in Witness Against Torture. Uh, they, they become leaders during that uh, early, that January yes. event when you go and Motivators. protest, protest the uh, Guantanamo prison. Yeah. One of my favorites with you, though, had nothing to do with poetry, and it was about your celebration of your coming back from Russia and surviving doing 14 Little Red Huts, but it wasn't just surviving. You guys had a great time. Oh, we had a fabulous in time. In yeah. Voronezh. Voronezh, Russia. Yes, a, a, a city in Russia that I'd never even heard of. It's about 500 kilometers south-southeast of Moscow in the midst of gorgeous, gorgeous taiga and, and steppe landscapes. And the people there were just wonderfully hospitable and welcoming and so on. And we had a great time. Yeah. I, you, and, and, and we had a great time with the podcast. Yeah, yeah that's um, fun. the podcast was fun. The yeah. director, I don't remember his name, but we met Joel Bernstein 
uh, from Mozart in the Jungle, who was right. in that uh, in right. that cast. And we have since then. I've been working with Joel Bernstein on my other podcast, Hunker right. Down, right, right, um, which I, I appreciate being introduced to that um, amazing person. Well, my favorite one that Alina produced was definitely the. Uh, broadcast gals or the the news broads news broads news <laughs> broads <laughs> I just re- you brought the them. news broads the to news us. broads they were amazing yeah they were amazing one of them yeah. you 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 know personally right right yeah. exactly Gina uh, yeah yeah Gina. right and exactly and they have their own podcast and right they've had some really amazing guests it was a great conversation it was so much fun yeah favorite one that Chris produced was I don't I don't know this you meant this as your first one I think it was the first one, but maybe you weren't yet go on on producing more. No, you were a guest. That's right. It wasn't yours. I Never remember mind. what it is, but I'm gonna, let you, I'm gonna let you struggle through this. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it was the one where you were a guest, and then the people from the. Um, piece. It was the World Poetry. Thank you, dear. Event. Oh, oh yeah, yes. the World Poetry thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'll let her hang out there for a while. That's okay. I don't mind. Um, yeah, that one. That was that was fun. So yeah. where are we going with Barcore Radio? What, uh, do, what, what do we have coming up? Well, uh, we got hopefully some more poets coming up in August, late July, August, uh, September. I'm hoping on Tracy K. Smith, who is, I think, still the, the poet laureate of the country. Okay. I'm thinking maybe we'll do a, a kind of memorial podcast for Linda Gregg, who died a year ago and, and several months. And Tracy is one of her former students, and I'm, I used to work with her a lot. And she was very beloved. And if she were still alive, she'd be the next guest. But yeah. she died. She just passed recently? About, a, about 14 months ago, oh. 15 months ago. So it had nothing to do with COVID? No. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it had to do with cancer. Yeah. yeah. We'll start with a C. Yeah. Well, maybe we, can do, we could do some, some reading of her poetry at some yes. point. Yes. To kind of uh, honor her art. What do you want to do next, Alina? Well, um, since we have the election, of course, in November, um, I was just thinking about my favorite, uh, if I had to choose, podcast, um, which was the people who were protesting creatively over these past four years. So that was um, the guy who did Learn as Protest in Trump Tower. Uh, the woman from the Shrill Collective, um, who is doing feminist theater, uh, Markers for Democracy, who's been sending out thousands of postcards, and then Jay from Sing Out Louise, um, who have been changing the lyrics to songs to turn them into to protest songs. Right, that was an amazing show. I so love that. So I just love all of their inspirational so you're, you're, you're stories. So maybe... I would love to find more people like that. I just think yeah. that's so fascinating. We're using creative, artistic approaches to protest exactly yeah. to get to get their uh, their message across. Well, we should have black yeah. Lives matters um, I'm, I'm sure there must be black lives matter groups that are doing it absolutely creatively. yeah absolutely good we'll work on that yeah let's get that done and what do you want to do al you know at first i wanted to talk to president trump <laughs> and, then, and then i i decided he's just you know there's nothing there's nothing there, there. there's nothing there to talk about no so i mean uh what do I want to do? I, I, wa- I want to talk with David Brooks. I don't know if he's accessible, but that's what I, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with the guy because he's, he's, um, he's full of heart. He's a conservative. Yes. But he makes sense. We and started the organization um, Weavers. The Weavers, right. Yeah. Right. 
which was trying to get a common sense look at what our country should be. Huh. Weave, weave us together, you know, make the us weavers. into a fabric that works together. Yeah. yeah. I want to get I want to get Tim Gunn on the show. There you go. I'm a huge fan. And, he, and he, as far as we know, he lives in the neighborhood. Yes. Because so uh, we used work to see him that. at the city diner on 91st Street. Yeah. So right. hopefully oh, we'll, really? we'll see yes. him there. And once again, I want to say thank you to Chris and Alina for their work in producing amazing conversations on Bar Pro Radio. And we have people kind of coming up. Yes, we'll be here in one second. And Alina we'll be... knows this lady. Ah, this, okay. this is Sarah Lind. Hi. Yeah. And to end up my, my, my closing here, we'll be right back to celebrate the resilient Upper West Side with our neighbors at the Kvetch Mike and with Gail Brewer and Rafael Espinal coming up next. Yes, Isn't this great? we Isn't do it too. Great? Isn't it great? Yeah, yeah. VCR is honored to have the Manhattan Borough President, Gail Brewer, with us on the street here on West End Avenue and 92nd Streets. Gail is a most accessible leader of this amazing, diverse, and democratic island that people from all over the world call home. Gail has been the Manhattan Borough President since 2014. Formerly, she was the city council member for the Upper West Side. Gail has advocated for the formerly incarcerated, caregivers, children, seniors, people with disabilities and mental issues, immigrants, and others. Gail, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, you know that your husband, Cal Snyder, was on our show about the Soldier, Soldiers and Sailors Monument. It was a good show. I, it I, was a really good I show. I wish it had done better, more work in getting something done there, but right now, it doesn't it's in sad shape. Right I can talk about it if you want. So. Well, let's talk sure, about it. Sure, yeah, yeah, let's talk about What's the uh, Soldier and Sailors Monument. No, I love that space. As you know, uh, with Dr. George Shaw, we started the Memorial Day services there some, you know, almost a decade. And when I was in the council, we did put funding into the platform around it. But it is in very bad shape. Um, the Riverside Park Conservancy uh, commissioned, along with the Parks Department, a um, feasibility study. It's about $30 million. Before the god-awful virus uh, pandemic, we were already starting to reach out to corporations that have an interest in veterans and monuments. So we'll start again, but uh, $30 million. You could divide it up a little bit, but when you do, then you end up paying more because of obvious, if you do it at the same time, you have a cost savings. Right. So that's where we're at, and I love it more than uh, I love the Memorial Day services there. We had a very small one there this year, which we filmed, and is up on the uh, Riverside Park Conservancy uh, website. So that's the answer to your question. It's a very sad situation, but it is getting worse. You can see the water uh, coming down, and that's why it's closed off. Yeah, and, and things have fallen from it, uh, we, we, we learned. It is a magnificent monument for those who don't know on 91st. It's just right around the block here. And it, every season, it looks different. And it just, it's so beautiful yes. behind the trees or when the leaves go off. Yes. It's so majestic. And I'm glad that it's still in the city's imagination that something. Yes, we're very much on top of it in terms get of getting something done. Right. That's great. How are you and your family handling social distancing? Well, um, I must admit, I'm one of these people, even before we were told by whether it's CDC 
or our mayor or governor, you don't need to wear a mask. I wore a mask. Just it felt Good like the right thing to do. Yeah. So I've been wearing a mask from day one. Thank God none of us in my family, I have a couple of sons grown up, uh, not sick. My husband's fine. However, um, I find that people social distancing, uh, we go, you know, the rallies, and I would say some of them did not uh, produce, thank goodness, any kind of a spread. But I worry about the bars. I've been to Orchard Street. I've been to uh, 51st and 9th. I've been on the east side. I've been to Dykeman. Uh, the big problem seems to be the young people drinking at a bar, not a seated situation. And so we're working with the State Liquor Authority. That seems to be the biggest stick. Um, that's what I'm worried about. Not so much the rallies. You know, when you're at a rally, I must admit I was at one to stop the gun violence in East Harlem yesterday. And it is hard to socially distance. But that doesn't seem to be the problem. It's the, it's the bars, the congregating, the drinking. Because every rally, I'd say 100% are wearing masks. Right. They may not be social distancing, but they're all wearing a mask and we're giving out masks. But when at I, the bars, they're not. I have a mask. I walk around with a pile of Do them. You? And I have one, Gail. It's in my pocket. I don't need it. Yeah. yeah we, we've, I've seen uh, a young person giving out masks at, at Riverside Park as people enter in. And yes. They have a whole pile of them. Yes. They, yes. And, and, and they give it out. Well, this is Bar Crawl Radio, so we love to do the, <laughs> the podcast at bars. We're usually at Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar yeah. on West on the 72nd. There. Great place. And now. Maybe we'll just keep doing it out here. For a while. Fabulous. We're, it we're is safe. nice. It look is at nice. this look at this wonderful crowd yes. gathering around. Well they're they're here because you're here, so no, I have here. a I have a follow up question to that. You said something about the, the uh, liquor authority has a big stick. In other words, they could do something about the um, the restaurants themselves to not be more careful. Yes, there's uh, executive order I'm on the governor's recovery task force. The executive order states and the bars and restaurants don't like this. They're actually responsible for 100 feet in front of them. That's a pretty far distance. And it's hard to have the waiters run around and say, you know, put the mask on. But at this point, they are responsible. Well, I just went and got my hair cut, and I had to sign something, to, uh, you know, letting the owners know that I wouldn't hold them responsible if I get COVID. Are the, are the bar, people that attend the bar doing that? No, That's not, interesting. I signed the same piece of paper, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. You are the leader and in charge of the borough of Manhattan. Sort of, yes. The mayor's in charge, let's be clear. But I try. Okay. Well, the borough president, because people don't know, what does the borough president do? And on the charter, in the charter, it states four specifics. Number one, you have a big role in the zoning and land use, which is the backbone of New York City. Number two, you appoint in Manhattan about a thousand people. You know about the community boards. Yes. There's also a solid waste advisory board, youth boards, cultural boards, business boards, school boards, etc. Cultural boards. So it's about a thousand people. Third, we allocate funding, not dissimilar from the mayor and the city council. And fourth, we can introduce legislation. So that's the charter mandated borough president. So the charter mandated borough president was very different before 1989 when there was a charter revision, as you know. So you have to make something of it. Every borough is different. You, you ha what we have done in our office uh, very quickly is to take, in Harlem, we uh, put in a uh, constituent office at the storefront level. No other borough president has that, and we're the only one in central Harlem. That's a big deal, that people can walk in as they can here on 87th Street 
and not have to go into a tall office building. Um, people in Manhattan, not, dis, not dissimilar, we are the center of the finance, we're the center of the cultural, we're the center of the tourism, and we just lost 69 or 65 million tourists. Um, so we are the, you know, there are many other boroughs, but we are the center of cultural and finance. Um, we're also, unfortunately, the center of expensive housing. So right now in 2020, I mean, after calls all day, all night, uh, Manhattan, I think, is looking at a couple of things. First of all, we're going to have a lot of empty hotels. We have them now. Well, they're going to be vacant and they're going to be for sale. So the question uh, is, do we then pick them up as distressed property and try to turn them into affordable housing? And you could pick up other, but we will have the most of something called hotel because we have 700 hotels in New York City, but you know where they are, mostly Manhattan. So that's one. What do we do about something different on the affordable housing front? Um, the second issue, of course, is the cultural. I am very worried about the cultural. Obviously, Broadway attracts the tourists. You and I don't attract tourists. It's the cultural. <laughs> it's the museum, right? Right. And so Broadway is hurting big time because they can't stand on stage and project, right? We we'll all get ill and you can't be in the audience. So they're trying to figure this out as we speak. The same with the symphonies. All, you know, when I say Broadway, I mean, yeah. you know, right, the whole, exactly. but Broadway is the driver. Nobody's right? having any um, seasons right now. Right, but it's hard because those are really out of work people. So we try to get them jobs in tracing and uh, contact tracing and other things. And the good news is that the independent contractors got the money from uh, Washington. But, so that's, you know, the whole Broadway world. I think the finance world, Wall Street is doing okay. They're working at home. Some of the other issues ancillary is that the commercial real estate, many few people. I know this guy, he's working out of Arizona. He has a law firm. I'm happy here. Yeah. So I'm going to cut my square footage in half. There you go. Now, if you're a new firm, you might come in because you got to get to know your colleagues. But he's been in business for years. He knows everybody. They have a great law firm. Why should he spend so much? So then there goes the uh, coffee shop downstairs that he and his firm used to frequent. You know, it's dead downtown. It is dead downtown. Right. Yes. So this is active. But you should see what it's like down there. Right. It's got to be worrying. It's very worrying. So I'm saying commercial real estate is another issue to bring up. The food. We Before the pandemic, in the city of New York, we had 1.1 people without, with food insecurity. It's now 2.2. Well, the 2.2 million people every day don't know if they're going to have food. And the seniors in particular, right. because you know the seniors had the senior center. There's no senior center open right now. So the Bernie Wall is not open? Nope. Yep. And yeah. so those are seniors who come for the socialization and for the food. And for lunch. And, and for lunch, yes. Yeah. Right. And, and right. every single senior center is closed. So we have been working with Fresh Direct with a city contract and their generosity. And we have been feeding from the top of the bottom, top of Manhattan to the bottom, particularly of the New York City Housing Authority, five days a week. You should see us. We're out there today. I was out there today. So I will worry about the food and I worry about the seniors, to be honest with you. There's good news. You know, people have been so generous right hopefully something like this the open streets i love it yes can we do more of that can we we, we want yeah so we want we want to ask you about the open streets we also wanted to ask you about uh schools opening yes. and hospital but we wanted to also we have a bunch of people out here who came here to ask you questions sure. so maybe we can we can get to our kvetch mic 
fine. All right. I'm ready. At this point, we're opening up the kvetch mic. <laughs> if anyone has a question. Uh, I'm a, I've known Gail for more than 40 years that I've lived here. My name is Devorah. My husband's name is Yaniel. Yep. And we are, um, first of all, we want to say how grateful we are because Ms. Williams in uh, Gail's office has been helping us. There's 25 seniors in this neighborhood that ordered kosher food from the city three months ago, still have not gotten on any consistent basis, still they don't tell you when they're coming, so the food rots in the hallway and they, they, my neighbors complain to the health department. So she's helping us. I'm just grateful that you have people like and that PS in your 75, have you been going to Yes, PS but this is gourmet kosher food from Mark David Catering. Oh, okay. Okay. Big difference. Okay, so uh, we just want to say thank you for that and thank for helping us, trying to help us. And with the air conditioner, uh, same situation, Department of the Aging, I applied three months ago, and uh, they still don't have it. They haven't called me, and uh, someone in, in another uh, politician's office is trying to help me over, you know, it's just, there's 142 people on hold when you call them on okay. 311. So, I'll anyway. follow up with Lori Devora. Yeah, Lori's fantastic. Okay. okay, so we just want to thank everyone for the short thank song. You. We're local singers. We have been uh, really horrible gig workers, and we don't know how to access any of the city's grants for this. We have all the, you know, jazz clubs, folk clubs are closed, senior centers where we perform at Erin Living, and uh, we somehow haven't been able to find yeah. or access. The public yeah. libraries are closed, so we don't access anything, but we, we love to sing. Someone has a party in the park, a birthday party, we'll sing, we don't care. Let's just do a short song to say thank you. Go ahead. We shall overcome. We shall overcome this COVID. We shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in our hearts, I do believe we shall. Thank you, Devorah. So, Gail, let's talk about some big changes happening due to the pandemic. Uh, we just spoke with uh, Lainey Hameson of Class, Life's, uh, Class Size Matters and Jasmine Gripper of Alliance for Quality Education about what our schools should do in the fall. I looked at the preliminary plans of the reopening of public schools. Can you tell our listeners what public schools and colleges look like in September? Sure. There's two issues. First of all, the governor decides what happens and not the mayor. That's the actual law. He's going to decide, he's going to get a plan from the city in about a week or so, and then he'll decide by August 1st. So that's the actual uh, pro the way in which it works. The schools are still, to be honest with you, they have to be signed off by the New York State Department of Education. The city has put in a plan for you probably have heard, and certainly Laney and AQE know, but it would be at least uh, three days a week, perhaps in the school, two off. You can only put 49% of the children in the building. Yeah. So you have to figure out if you're going to use a principal's office, a classroom, the gym, and the playground, how do you make 49%? Most schools are small, um, and they have uh, not enough space to put in 800 or 500 kids. So. It's really a challenge because I have to say, I think that the um, virtual learning at the Department of Education was not successful. 
So I'm very worried about online, and we're equally worried about health in the schools. We obviously need more teachers. If you're going to have some days on and some days off, believe it or not, you need more teachers. Because while you're off, you're in. You're both. So you have to have somebody doing virtual and somebody doing classroom. And it's going to be very expensive. And where's the money coming from? That's right. right. And, and you need childcare for the days when the kids are not in that classroom. So this is a very complicated issue. For the kids who have special needs, um, they have very small classes to start with, so they're likely to be there, thank goodness, five days a week. Well, I see they took a... Um a survey before, um, as part of this whole process, and they did a pretty good job, I think, of responding to the, yes. you know, the most concerns. I work at a private school, yep. in a little Montessori school. Yep, we love Montessori. <laughs> yeah, I do too. So, what will the what will what will the guidelines be for private schools? I think they're similar, and then but that's up to the school to decide. So I have a choice. I think it's eight. I want to make this up A through D. In other words, you can do Monday, Tuesday, but it has to be forty nine percent of the students in the building. Now, if you can. I'm making this up. If you have six more rooms that you can miraculously find, then maybe you can find a way to have small class sizes, and you could do it. So those same plans are applying to for the public the for the private, private schools, schools as also. Well. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. it sounds like we have we have a lot of good questions and not a lot of definitive answers. No, we do not. Uh, because this is all new. Yeah. Uh, another thing that seems to be sort of up in the air, though decisions were made, is about the New York uh, City. Um, a police department. Yes. Do you have an opinion about that? I know you're not in charge of the police department. No. <laughs> um, do you have any sway in that area? I don't have sway. Certainly, it's like I said, the uh, borough president is what you make of it. People do listen to my office. We have, you know, a good, a wonderful staff, and people listen to us, and, and we are pretty honest. I would say there are uh, ways in which the police department could be. Uh, reorganize. Let me give you an example. When you have homeless, we have homeless encampments all over the west side. I have calls. There's one on 86, there's one on 72nd. I could go on. I don't think it makes sense for NYPD to answer that. It doesn't seem to be improving. So I'm a social worker believer. I have one social worker in every school. I work with Ruth Messinger, who's a social worker. I believe in social workers. So social workers should be answering those calls, in my opinion, as an example. Um, there are other types of uh, functions. There's an awful lot of cops doing civilian work. What do I mean? Answering the phone, um, moving the barricades. You know, I, that's crazy. They should be on the street. Yep. So what I'm trying to say is we need to find every single possible job to be done by a civilian. People have been talking about this for years. It's not a new topic. But we need to have a different response in some cases. And that would at least give us more, I believe in more cops on the street. We can train and train. It would be nice if they lived in the city. 50% do, 50% don't, but that's a state issue, not a city. And I can tell you that's a hard one to get through the state legislature. And it's not uncommon in, in police precincts that they don't live in the neighborhoods. Right. And I would like them to live in the city, in the five boroughs anyway, but that's again, that's a state decision. They live in Rockland, Nassau, Suffolk, so on. Well, from your mouth to uh, the mayor's ear. Or the governor's <laughs> ear. And the governor's <laughs> ear, right. Uh, the mayor has said he'll need to lay off 22,000 city employees in October. 22,000. Right. Um, what a, about that? That's a terrible situation. I mean, we did, I have to say, hire an awful lot of people before this pandemic hit us. And I think one of the issues is to look to see what jobs are union and what jobs are not union and what has been hired since uh, he began his tenure in 2014, because yeah. there has been a huge increase, as you know, in city personnel. 
I'm not sure I would have had such an increase if I was mayor. Yeah. So the question now is, if the federal money comes through, there will be no layoffs. So we do need that federal money, not just to curtail the layoffs, but to contain the challenge of uh, losing services. You know. So much of this is a linchpin that, is the federal government. Yes, well, let me give you an example of a really bad cut. 63% um, of the sanitation pickups have been cut. And all of the Sunday baskets in the city of New York have been cut. That's terrible because you can, you know what it's like on the weekend with the baskets and then when you have garbage, you have rats. There's a complete correlation. So that's an example of really bad budget cutting, but that's what was decided. Yeah, this street though, West End Avenue, I mean, we're, we look pretty good. Do I notice the baskets? There's not as many trash cans around. I think it's more in the uh, commercial areas. Right, right. Maybe we can open up the fetch mic again? Yeah, Gail, yes. are, are you aware about the homeless problem on Broadway up there? I'm aware of the one on 86th Street right next to the Bell Nord, and I'm aware of one on, oh, sorry, uh, 86th Street at the Bell Nord with the sisters, and I'm aware of the one on 72nd Street, and I'm aware of the one and 96th Street They're sleeping Broadway. on the street there. I, yes. I don't know what you can do. I know they were brought over here to give them housing somewhere, but it's just terrible. It's like 40 years ago. I know. It's really... What it, can be done? Anything? We were just talking about it. It seems to me that NYPD can't do anything. You do have to get the individuals to agree to move, and it's really a challenge. And the, if you go to 86th Street by the Bell Nord, you'll see the same problem. Um, 82nd and Broadway, 72nd and Broadway, encampments. So I'm aware of it. Can I say that tomorrow I'll be fixing it? I can't say that. I've, I've been calling uh, Department of Homeless Services, Goddard Riverside Community Center, which is the program that is tasked with trying to move them off of the street. Thank you. Th thank you, Deborah. Also, and we discussed this yesterday, the e-bikes are speeding up and down the street. Advantage. Could you be on the mic, please? Could you say it on the The e-bikes are speeding up and down the street. You're nodding, you know about no, this. No, I know. Uh, and the cars are driving like it's a three-way and going much faster than five miles an hour. Do you I, think so we could get more should signage? Should I call the police? Do the police need to start ticketing or enforcing what? The police are in charge of the uh, e-bikes, yes. And the police are in charge of uh, cars going faster than five miles an hour. Yes, that is, a, that is where we should put our focus, yes. Can right. we get maybe signage? We could work on signage, yes. The New York Times recently had an editorial by Farhad Manju I'm sorry you saw it. It was a brilliant, fabulous brilliant piece. And advocated for a car-free Manhattan. I, I love that. Oh, you did? I, first of all, he's a wonderful writer. Yes. And second... And he invites people to talk to yeah, him. And he had beautiful drawings in that particular article. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, I thought that there were some... You know, we, we need bold ideas. If we're going to have a new normal, then we need bold ideas. And I thought those were, there were some great bold ideas there. We are working hard... Uh, on different cross streets, like we did, I was supporter, first elected official of the bus only on 14th Street. Yeah. It's been very successful. Yes. You can still get your deliveries. And congratulations on that. You can still get your deliveries. The cab can drop you off. They just have to take the next exit. Exactly. It seems very reasonable to me. I know in Copenhagen they have this a situation like this where everybody uses the same road. Bicyclers, cars, pedestrians, and they just go very slowly. I mean, look at this block. Here we I are. Love it. I love West it. End, it's great. 92nd, 93rd Street. We've got a bunch of people out here. They're talking to each other. I'm with it. I'm 100%. Um, 
we, 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 need, we need to keep moving that Al way. Alternative transportation. Right. This gentleman we has we, a question. We have a question for you. Please tell us your name and if you're an Upper West Sider. Hi, thanks for having me on your show. My name is Felix. I live on West 78th Street with my family. And uh, my partner and I were both journalists. We are currently in the process of writing a book about New York and resilience. Good uh, for and of you. course, the reason for this book is the time we're all going through right now in New York. Uh, as a city has seen more crises and catastrophes than most urban places in the world. And we hope for this book to, you know, uh, give people a moment of learning and reflection on what it means to build resilience. So I would like to ask you two questions, if you don't mind. The first sure. one is, why do you think is New York so resilient? Why is it such a resilient city? Well, the reason, I mean, I've been here for 50, 60 years. I hate to say this now. Um, the reason it's resilient is that everybody mixes. So in other words, I'm on the subway, the bus, my kids go to the public schools, my neighbors, I sit on the stoop, I go to the supermarket, I go to work, participate in book clubs, go to yoga in the park, um, etc. And when you have that diversity through your family of the uh, diversity in New York City, then you end up with a very, very... A uh, strong sense of ownership. When you're a New Yorker versus, I hate to say it, suburban, you have a much stronger sense of self. And also, New Yorkers are very generous. They are so generous. If you look, I hate to mention 9-11 because so many people died then, but the generosity of 9-11, even though we didn't need all the socks because everybody had died, or Sandy. I remember synagogues and churches from the west side taking everything to the far Rockaways, right? That kind of generosity doesn't exist everywhere. And when you do those kinds of acts of kindness, and so many that are not hailed and not known, there's something called mutual aid. Have you heard of this? Mutual aid is a nonprofit. And I have so many friends who participate. They literally go neighbor to neighbor in their building and make sure that everybody's getting fed. Of course, during the pandemic, it was constant. And it spread all the way across the five boroughs. Nobody else has mutual aid. So and it's all volunteer. You literally go to the store and buy for your neighbor. And it's organized. You put up a note in the building and people do it. On the subway, you better be resilient, right? My kids <laughs> learn to fight a little bit. You know, if they're going to get punched, they're going to punch back. So it's, it's a... It's, but it's the... When you're punching back, you also get to know the other person, you know? So that's what I think it is. There's, no, there's nothing more phenomenal than the five boroughs. Thank you so very much. You for, had another question. Yes, I have a second question. Thank you both for letting me ask this question. What is your personal story of resilience? Is there a moment in your life that you would like to share? Well, I'm kind of unusual. I had um, about thir 35 foster care kids. And when you have 35 foster care kids... Um, I didn't know that. I know. I did not know that. So then you get pretty resilient because this was during the crack epidemic. I know you were probably here, but I don't know if everybody was here. 1980s. Oh, we were here. We were here, yes. And um, it was rough, right? I was on 105th and Manhattan Avenue. This was a different neighborhood. Yes. And I lived actually on 105th and Manhattan Avenue. Before that, I was on 82nd in Amsterdam. And so um, there are people here in the audience, one right over there who knew me very well. But the reason I mention that is when you have kids who have so many challenges, and some of them went to Rikers and some of them did well. 
then and they would steal from me and steal from the neighbors. It was pretty rough because people would get on crack. So that made me resilient. I can tell you right now, nothing bothers me because those young people were tough. Their parents had died of AIDS, their parents had died of crackhead, and they were left, and we picked them up off the street. So that made me resilient. 35, wow. did I hear that correctly? Over the time period, obviously not all at once. But we would take them from drug treatment programs, we would take them from alternative to incarceration programs, and they lived with us for over time. It's about 35. Yeah. Thank you so very much for sharing. Yeah, Felix, thank Appreciate you very much for, for coming thank up. I, I hadn't heard about it later. You can leave the, the headset right right there. Yeah. That, that's, thank you. Uh, this is an experiment, so. This is we're, great. We're, we're trying to figure it out. What did you pick the I weather? I know. My goodness. We're lucky. We're lucky. This is Bob Pearl Radio. We're on West End Avenue and 92nd Street. We're talking to the Manhattan Borough President, Gail Brewer, and we want to thank you for visiting our little bit of heaven on on West End Avenue, as you say, the weather is great. Wish you the best in your work. Help to bring our little island through this, these trying times. If we could continue this conversation, we'd love to have you back. I would I'd love to come back, and this is such a great example of open streets. I can't, I've been advocating for open streets for years, and to see it used in such a productive way is perfect. So thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, All Gail. Right, take care to both Thank of you. you. We'll have Manhattan, the Bronx and Staten Island too. It's lovely. That was Lou Tobacken and his jazz quintet at the West Side Community Garden. In the past, Upper West Sider, Randa Kirschbaum, organized these summer music concerts at the West Side Community Garden, but not this year. We must have faith that with responsible leadership, as represented by our two guests, and sensible behaviors by our citizens, we will get through this terrible moment and use the experience of this killer pandemic to help us become a better, more loving society and know that music at our gardens will return. So that is Bar Crawl Radio's 100th episode. Uh, I must say this, my dear wife, doing Bar Crawl Radio with you has been a singular joy in my life. You just had to say that because it was written there. It was written, but I wrote it too. <laughs> and I thank you for joining me on this ride, and let's keep going. All right, here we go. And one more, one more note. We're going out with a piece performed by our good friend Jared Newman, who died recently uh, from COVID-19. He was smart and opinionated, and one of the most generous artists I have known. Our hearts go out to his friends and students and to his partner of over 25 years, D.D. Towers. Jared, you will be missed. I was thinking on the way up the elevator to get the guitar and on the way down with the guitar that I wanted to sing something I wanted to sing something instead of just playing. And that I wanted to sing something kind of up-tempo. And I don't know if it's Christmassy, but you know, sometimes you kind of hear something in the air or something that you hear triggers a memory of a particular song and that's it. And it kind of gets into your head. I was thinking of the song that goes like this.
sister, won't you? A little sister, won't you? A little sister, don't you kiss me once or twice? Say it's very nice and then you run. Little sister, won't you do what your big sister does? Well, I dated your big sister. I took her to a show. I went for some candy, along came Jim Dandy, and I snuck right out the door. A little sister, don't you? A little sister, don't you? Don't you kiss me once or twice They say it's very nice and then you run Little sister, don't you do what your big sister does Well, I used to pull your pigtails And pinch your turned up nose But baby, you've been growing And it's been showing from your head down to your toes So little sister, don't you Say it's very nice and then you run Little sister, don't you do what your big sister do Yeah, little sister, don't you do what your big sister do Little sister, don't you do what your big sister do We're celebrating Park Row Radio's 100th episode, and we're recording in mid-July 2021 on the street at West End Avenue and 92nd Street. We had a bunch of guests celebrating not only the Park Row Radio's 100th episode, but the resiliency of this Upper West Side neighborhood. And so we decided to break up this show into three parts. Part two features Rafael Espinal, former city council member from Brooklyn of the Freelancers Union. If you like our program, please contact us at barcrawlradio at gmail.com. We're also on the web at barcrawlradio.com and on all the podcast platforms that you are already familiar with. Wow.